0: So, um, you had rocks in your seat, stones in your seat this morning. You had to pick it up before you sat down, hopefully, Um, somewhere around you. If it was not in your seat, there's certainly one beside you. Um, I I said to someone this morning, or a few of them, uh, it's your new pet rock. Uh, Take it home, put it somewhere. Every time you look at it, maybe you'll think of this sermon, uh, or not the sermon so much as what God has in store for you as far as um, his son, uh, and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. If, if you're as old as I am, and I'm old as dirt, so you've probably heard Palm Sunday sermons, 50 or 60 of them maybe preached in your lifetime, where you have grown up in the church, and every time that Easter comes around and the Sunday before Easter Um, Some preacher that you've been under has preached um, this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Somewhere decades ago, or at least several years ago, whomever it is that controls the liturgical calendar for the church decided to put Passion Sunday and Palm Sunday on the same Sunday. Now, it used to be where Passion Sunday was in the church calendar, celebrated the Sunday before Palm Sunday. I always thought that was odd. It seems like you would reverse that, and you would have God's triumphal entry and Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and then you would have Passion Week, uh, you know, would be following the Passion Sunday of Christ. But today around the world, or at least in 24 hours starting sometime yesterday, Um, Pastors have preached one of those two things, either Passion or Palm, on this particular Sunday. So we're looking at Palm Sunday because we have Maundy Thursday service. And so y'all can show up Thursday and we can talk about this Last Supper of Jesus that we will focus on, but also on the Passion of Christ. And so a lot of churches do not, even in our uh, own denomination, um, they do not celebrate a Maundy Thursday service, and and we do. So you can come and and get the Passion Side of Christ uh, this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock. With that said, if you have your Bibles and would like to open to Luke's Gospel, this is one event that all four Gospels have an account of, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so we're going to look at Luke's account, and I'm going to specifically kind of focus in on verse 40. Uh, So you might want to underline that or mark that or um, just especially listen to that as we get to it if you have tuned out everything else up to that point, and hopefully not. So here we go. Verse 28 of chapter 19 of Luke. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say, The Lord has need of it. So those went who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they spread their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles in which they had seen, shouting, "'Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest.'" Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, rebuke your disciples.'" And he and Jesus, but Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. There is very little commentary. You can go to just about anyone that has written a commentary and they skip over verse 40 of chapter 19. They, they just don't talk about it or don't have any commentary on it. Um, Jesus is coming in, and it says that his disciples, his followers, there are those that are lining the street as we look at other accounts in the gospel. And some of them are waving palm branches, and they are crying out, Hosanna. But Luke's gospel says, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out, as the Pharisees who are in the crowd says rebuke your disciples now it may may sound strange to be talking about an inanimate object that actually would burst out into praise of God i mean the very stones are going to cry out praise you hosanna if i command everyone else to be quiet well did you realize that it's not strange for the Bible to talk about things of inanimate objects of creation to cry out to us like rocks and hills and mountains that praise God and understand the authority or have know that God has power and authority over creation, this mighty creation. The, the Hebrews actually never worshiped an inanimate object. You say, well, wait a minute. I remember at the foot of the mountain they built built this this golden calf. But they never did with creation, with with the rocks and the hills and all of that. They praised the creator of creation. But they didn't worship and bow down to the mountains and the rocks and the hills. They knew that God had authority that he was creator. We find verses like Psalm 96:1 which says that the heavens rejoice and the earth is glad and the seas roar with the fullness of all things. Or the wonderful verse of the prophet Isaiah in 55:12 which speaks of the mountains and the hills. Doing what? Bringing forth singing to the Lord. Praising the Lord that the trees would actually clap their hands to the Lord, Isaiah says. Habakkuk 2.11 says, and it actually kind of mirrors our verse 40 today in Luke 19, and that is that the very... Stones of the wall will cry out to the Lord, Habakkuk says. And then we couldn't leave out Romans 8.22, especially since we since we spent two and a half years in Romans. Um, Romans 8.22 says, For we know that all of creation groans and suffers. Groans and suffers. The pains. Waiting for the coming. So, the final verse. I love Job. And I love Job because when you get to chapter 38, 39, 40, you see this interaction with Job and God. And I love this phrase that God says to Job God says, And the morning stars, he's talking to Job. Can you do this? Can you do that? He says, what about, can can you make the morning stars in heaven speak and sing praises to me? Can you imagine all of the stars in heaven singing praises to God? And so there's nothing tricky about this verse for Jesus, no gimmick here. Jesus is saying, look, guys, if if I command my disciples, my followers, all that are shouting this morning, I have the power and dominion, I have creation at my hands, uh, I can demand these very rocks to cry out praise to me. I'm the one that makes the sun rise in the east and set in the west. I am the one that created it all, Jesus could say. It is interesting that Jesus, God has creative power, and we see that at the very moment of the crucifixion where the sun refused to shine, that the earth shook, that rocks were splitting at the death of Jesus. And we would ever question, I don't think so, the majesty, the power that God has over creation. And so this morning, I want us to look at this verse because... Jesus says, I tell you, if these stones become silent, or if these become silent, these stones will cry out. And, and I think we need to get in our mind a little bit of what is going on and maybe how we can keep the stones quiet. And I think how we keep the stones quiet is that there's no silence in us. You see, there were those that were, were praising God. And so I want to give you five P words that um, will, I think, maybe stick with us uh, in how to keep the stones quiet. The disciples recognized the authority of Jesus. And so I think that we need to acknowledge the position first that Christ is Lord and King. We need to acknowledge the position of Christ as Lord and King. The disciples were told by Jesus, Look, go into the city and you're going to find a colt there. And if if anyone asks you what you're doing, you just say the Lord has need of it. Now, we know that the donkey colt is to uh, answer and and. Fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament that the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem this final time on a donkey's colt. And last year, I actually put a picture of a donkey's colt and its back, so you can see that there's a cross on the back of every donkey. It is so neat. If you've never seen that, look up a picture of the cross on the back of a donkey. And so they went into the city. They obeyed Jesus. They went in. They found it just as he said. Even as they acknowledged to the owner, the Lord has need of it. Luke tells us, the other gospels tell us, they allowed the donkey to be taken back to Jesus. They found it, Mark says, just as Jesus had told them. If we would keep the stones quiet, we're going to have to acknowledge the position, the authority of Jesus. We're going to have to have our allegiance, our obedience to the King, to the Lord of Lords. We need to recognize and praise him with our voice as we are obedient to him and his word. The Bible reminds us that we are to obey, to obey God. I have a plaque in my office, and it says, the Ten Commandments are not a suggestion. Um, The Ten Commandments are as valid today as they ever have been and will be in tomorrow and the days to come. The Ten Commandments remind us that we are to put God first, the Ten Commandments remind us we're to honor our parents. The Ten Commandments remind us we are to fra- refrain from lying. We are to refrain from being jealous of what our neighbor may have. It reminds us that we are to love God. And as Jesus said in the Great Commandment, not only are you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength you are to love your neighbor as yourself sometimes i think we think it's easier to love god than it is as following that command of to love our neighbor our world is such today that the value of life has very little meaning for those for many in our world today i won't generalize that but for many in our world today life has very little meaning we see just over this past week the murders in Nashville we if you were to look at the numbers for this weekend already in Chicago and I'm just picking that town because it's it's one of those towns that the numbers tend to be such that they publicize them in some of the media but there's been somewhere 40 to 50 that have been killed this weekend already in that wonderful city of Chicago the, the value of life is just not a part of much of our society hate and anger is boiling up you can cut someone off with your car unmeaningfully unintentionally and run the risk of someone shooting into your car with anger you can offend someone by what you believe and you can run the risk of being shot or beaten or hurt And you've heard me say before, guns are not the problem. People are the problem. And it's because of their heart. And so, when we recognize the position of Christ as Lord and King, the one who went into Jerusalem, yes, the Messiah, yes, the one fulfilling the prophecy, yes, the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. When we acknowledge his position in our life and obey him and his word, our hearts are transformed. Our minds think differently. Our very souls belong to him because we are his children. Secondly, I I think maybe we could keep the stones quiet if we would accept his purpose. There were many that day that were along the the, the street. You remember in the opening uh, video clip, it said that there were many that lined the street, but they, they didn't understand who he was. They were looking for a king, but their king was going to be one of government or political, one that would come and... Uh, set things right that would defeat Rome, many of those that lined the road today, including some of his followers, the disciples that had followed him, they were thinking he was going to set up his kingdom, establish his kingdom. But Jesus was not, his kingdom was not of the world. If we accept the purpose of Christ, then, then what we do is defer to Christ in our life. His purpose and His will should prevail as I walk with Him. Too many times I think we go our merry ways. We, we do our own thing, and what we do is we ask God to bless that. I know what's best for me. And so I'm going to do th- God, will you bless this? Instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm fixing to do this, or I'm, I'm heading down this path, or God, can you tell me if this would be in your will and for your purpose for my life? Are we letting God create us in his own image, or are we trying to create God in our image? Is the Lord the Lord over our life? Or are we Lord over our life? Do we seek God's desire and his will for our life? Do we lean into him and his understanding of how we are to live daily? Will we wait on the Lord and renew our strength for what he has planned for us will we be of good courage will we refuse to do our own thing but seek God's purpose and will for our life when we do that when when we allow and think about accepting God's purpose for us and live into that, I actually think we can keep the stones quiet. The third thing is we need to affirm his power. The disciples were praising God that day. They were for all the things Luke tells us. They were praising him for all the miracles that they had seen him do. Many of them had seen him raise Lazarus, as we talked about last week. Many of them has were there on the mountain when he divided the loaves and the fishes, and they were able to, to gather up 12 baskets of leftovers. Many of them had seen him heal the blind, the deaf, the mute, those who could not walk. They had very little problem praising him that day for the things that he had done the things that they had seen him do maybe there were those that were standing there that actually were ones that he had touched that he had healed that were praising him we don't know but we know that there was no silence that day from those on the side of the road as he made his way in Yes, they were affirming his power. Do we affirm the power of God in our life? This past week I was reading and uh, I read a clip from a, a sermon that a preacher was preaching. and he was, It was a passion sermon about the crucifixion. And here's what he said. He said, Jesus held back death long enough for himself and the thief that he might usher the thief. Into his heavenly kingdom. Now, I don't know that that's actually a good doctrinal theological premise to make, uh, because I believe everything was held perfectly in God's plan and His His timing. But I thought about that phrase about God or Jesus holding back so that this man would come into the kingdom, and and that made me think about: Have I affirmed the power of God in my life? The times when God has held back things to protect me. I, I, can, I, I could spend the next hour telling you things where God has protected me. That I should be dead. I, I'm just telling you, I've, I've done things where I should be dead. I've laid a motorcycle down in front of a truck, a semi-truck. I should be dead. God had other plans. Did, did I affirm that? M- maybe you have friends that have succumbed to sickness or, or death or tragedy or um, times in their life where just the everything is caving in. And did you ever look at that and say, God, thank you for being with me and protecting me and... Walking with me. And maybe you're the one that has been through that valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you have experienced those illnesses and tragedies and tough times, those valleys in your life. Have you looked at God and said, God, I still affirm your power because you have walked with me through this. You have been there with me. How many times have you praised God even through difficult situations? How many times have you lifted up your voice to praise God that he has walked with you through those difficult burdens? Maybe it's when you couldn't pay bills. Maybe it's when you've lost a family member or even a a, a daughter, son, a, a grandchild. Maybe it's when there's been relational problems. But the power of God is still present. Can we, are we affirming his power? Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, not void of power. God's power is still with us today. God does not have short arms, he's not a T Rex. His hands are still powerful. He is still at work. He can still open doors that no one else can open. Are we praising God, affirming his power in our life? Please let there be no silence because I believe all of us, all of us, have the opportunity and should have the experience of praising him for what he's done. If nothing else, for salvation. Fourthly, I think we can keep the stones quiet by appreciating the peace of Christ. Christ is called the Prince of Peace here as they are are praising him as he's coming into Jerusalem. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And you think about this is the end of his life. And if you go back to the beginning of his life and the angels as they announced the birth of Christ, peace on earth, goodwill to men, and he's called the Prince of Peace, this is who Jesus is. This Jesus, Messiah, the Son, the very Son of God who brings Peace, Jesus, when all of the sea billows roll in our life, when everything seems to be giving way around us, even in the midst of that, we can say, Peace, it is well with my soul. The last thing that Jesus gave his disciples as the farewell discourses were being given by him was a legacy of peace, John 14, you remember, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus is still the Prince of Peace, the one who calmed the waves in the midst of the sea, the one who still brings peace that the world cannot give. In fact, I would tell you that often... When you experience the peace in that valley and others see that, they question how in the world can you be at peace in this situation? I would be a wreck. gives you opportunity to share why. And in sharing why means that you're not silent. The stones cannot cry out because you are silent. The very peace of Christ is with me. And finally, we can keep the stones quiet by claiming his presence. The disciples cried out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is present. Jesus is the one who comes. Jesus is the one who will never forsake us. Jesus is the one who sent his spirit to dwell in our hearts Jesus is the one that bides with us, walks with us, comforts us, lifts us up, strengthens us. We acclaim the presence of the very living God. Not that he just dwells in a temple somewhere or in heaven somewhere, but Jesus has reminded us his very presence will be with us. Paul said that the only hope we have is Christ in us, which is our hope of glory. Without Christ in us, we are lost. We are doomed. Claiming the very presence of God. And, and I hope that this week, as that was our theme as you read through the verses that were in the bulletin and the connection this past week about realizing the presence of God in our life, reading through John 14, 15, 16, reading Romans 8, which is one of the greatest chapters, I think, uh, that just gives us a complete understanding of the gospel and the presence of God we need to realize that. And I believe that as we realize the very presence of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can't help but to praise him. We can't be silent. And if we are not silent, then the stones cannot cry out. What better thing could we do on Palm Sunday as we realize the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem for the final time, acknowledging this week that we call Holy Week. What better way than to invite Christ to be our position, our acceptance of his purpose, affirming his power, appreciating his peace, and acclaiming his presence. Position, purpose, power, peace, and presence. Now, I don't know about you, I don't usually talk to inanimate objects. I mean, I don't know that I have ever picked up a stone and started talking to it. don't know that I have. But if I were to do that, if I were to pick up a stone, and I was worried about this stone praising God instead of me, what would I say to this stone? I would tell this stone, I have a relationship with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus and, and I can't not praise him. I, I have a relationship with Jesus because of what he has done for me. This stone has never bore the burdens. Of being a human of of sickness or heartache or even happiness the the thrill of love a stone has never experienced but I would tell the stone you just got to be quiet because of all that Christ has done for me I can't keep quiet even in the times that I was walking through the weary land You've been my shelter, Lord, in the storm in the storm. Jesus has brought me through because of faith. I can't be silent. I have to speak. I have to speak. And I'm going to praise Jesus. And I'm going to continue to praise Jesus. Because this is my story, praising Jesus all the day long. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. This will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story. It is well with my soul. So I don't know if you've ever talked to a stone but if I was talk, talking to a stone, trying to keep it silent from praising God, praising Jesus, I would tell it everything about my relationship with the Lord. Thanks be to God, we don't have to speak to stones. But I'll tell you what He has called you and me to speak to others and to tell them. About this living God who we acknowledge his purpose and power and peace and position and presence. If we stop now praising God, who will? If you love the Lord, shouldn't we praise him? And we don't have the excuse of not knowing who he is, like many on the street that day, while as he rode in to Jerusalem. So I would ask you, church, how are we praising the Lord? We cannot keep silent because if we do. God will use something or someone else to praise him because he is worthy of our praise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this, your word, as we know and celebrate the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and, Father, this glorious hosannas that we're seeing. As praise was rising up, Father Jesus knew what was ahead. He, he, he knew what the end of the week would look like. He, he even, in one of the gospel accounts, stopped and, and wept because Jerusalem, the Hebrews, his people did not even realize his visitation, who he was. But Father, we do, and, and we know you, and as believers in Christ and part of the church and adopted into your family, and as you have given us your Holy Spirit, how can we not praise you? How can we not lift you up in praise, sing praises to you, to share the story? There are so many that are lost. Why would we keep it to ourselves? We can't keep silent, Lord. The church has to proclaim your name. May we do just that in all ways at all times. And Father, we will give you thanks. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.